Hello, welcome to episode 89 of the Craft to Career podcast. I am doing something a little different today with this episode. You may, hopefully not, but you may notice that this is not going to be edited whatsoever. What I'm recording is very raw. You're getting it totally unedited. I am giving my editor a break for the holidays and there's no intro music. She also adds that. So it's me. It's raw. I'm here. Hopefully I don't have any weird little mm, uh, pauses or anything like that. But um, I'm really excited because what I'm bringing today is an entire series. I will tell you more about how this started, but it's a bunch of mindset limitations that we struggle with. And by we, I actually mean you listeners, because I put out on Instagram a reel and in my stories a question asking you what are some beliefs that you struggle with that are holding you back in your business. I have gotten so many responses that I I was like, I'm going to do an episode on this. There's going to be a lot of episodes because there are so many thoughts that are holding us back and they each need some talking about. Yeah, I can't just sum it all up into one episode. So I'm going to break them down and I'm going to give some attention to these things because they're very real. They're very real and it's worth talking about. So before we jump into the very first one that I'm going to talk about, I am going to read a review. And this comes from, it says the Semstress. I wonder if it's the Seamstress, but it's S-E-M and then stress. So the, the review is from Apple Podcasts and the Semstress says, so valuable and useful. <clears throat> there was so much helpful information presented in this episode with insights into a mysterious part of the industry. I have been catching up with previous episodes and I'm so happy that I discovered Elizabeth's podcast. Okay, I love this because I do want to do that. I want to remove the mystery of what's going on in the industry. How does this work? How how can I do this? How come they're having success over there? What can I do? So yay, let me know what other areas you as listeners want to hear about in the industry that we can open the door and see inside, you know, and figure out what's going on there. So thank you so much for that review. If you've not left a review, please do. It's very, very helpful for the podcast. And this is going to come out on the 30th of December, which means there's one more day to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Take a picture of your review, send me a DM, and you are entered to win one free month of the Craft to Career Club, which starts January 1st. Which brings me into how this whole idea began of this mindset. So I have a friend who signed up for the Craft to Career Club. She signed up early in the pre-launch and I reached out to her and we're very good friends. And I said, hey, can I let you sign up now and get access to the club so I can just make sure that everything goes smoothly when everyone signs up the whole process? You know, I just want to make sure that it's nice and prepared. So she joined and started going through the lessons and she sent me a text and said, well, this is very interesting. The very first lesson I'm realizing I have a lot of mindset work to do around money, which I, as you know, the curator, the organizer, whatever of the Crafted Career Club, I want this kind of feedback. I'm like, oh, tell me more. What, what kinds of things is this bringing up for you? 
because for one, I just want to be able to address it. For two, I guarantee there are more people who are going to have things come up. So I want to be aware of it so we can talk about it. So she was so sweet. She sent me some notes um, of things that she was struggling with. And then I thought, oh, let's see. I want to hear all, you know, all the struggles. So I made the reel and asked the question and in Instagram stories. The feedback has been very insightful, very enlightening. And it put me back at the beginning when I started like, oh yeah, that's right. I also felt these things too. And it's very interesting as you move through your career, how there's always a mindset issue. It just changes, you know? So the one that I want to talk about today, it's very interesting. I don't need, how did I come across? I know I was laying in bed last night thinking about recording this episode and how, how, how am I going to address all these things? And I remembered a, a blog. It was a blog back, you know, when blogs were like the thing, my sister-in-law found a blog and she was like, this is so funny. You have to go look at this. And this girl, she's cute, she's young, fun, and hilarious, like kind of a comedian. And she would talk about how, amongst other things, how to be a good friend. And it was a joke, you know. And she was like, when I start to notice that I'm losing too much weight, I just eat a few more cookies to make sure that my friends feel comfortable and I'm not too thin. If my house is super clean, I'll just leave the dishes around so when friends come over, they feel comfortable. And I just remember thinking at that time, like, that's really sad. Why? Why would you try to appease and comfort others at the expense of yourself? You know, like you're actually lowering your health standard and your cleanliness standard to like the average person because they're not going to be comfortable. It was funny, like sure, haha. But at the root of it, I'm like, oh, oh dear. And then to go back personally, when I first got married and we moved to the area, a friend of mine, we were buying our first house and a few other things. And she was like, well, I, I can't remember exactly how she worded it because it was a while ago, worded it. But um, she said something on the lines of like, well, we don't buy things that are super nice because we, we want to keep our friends. And if we don't, they'll be uncomfortable. They it, they won't want to be our friends, basically. So, and I, I was buying, I can't remember. It was like I was buying a car or something. And she was trying to tell me, like, don't buy something really nice. Otherwise, you, you're not going to be able to keep your friends. And it really bothered me. I was like, how, first of all, how dare you tell me what to buy and what not to buy? Second of all, if I'm going to lose friends because I'm buying what I want, that's not a kind of friend that I want to have. And I didn't handle it in the best way. I kind of got a little snarky about it and made comments like, oh, they drive a BMW. I guess we can be friends no matter what, um, which didn't come across the right way at all. It looks like then that's all I care about is people with money, which anyhow, it, I, I didn't handle it the right way. But, um, but I just did not like the idea of someone saying, you have to dim yourself and your circumstances to appease others and make them comfortable and like dim your light, you know? Um, and then I realized that this goes really deep into our culture and you're going to see how this ties into business because the topic today is, let me see the exact wording that somebody put. Um, well, I can't find it right now, but basically I'm afraid to raise my prices because people are going to be upset. And like a lot of my customers are friends and family, and that's really going to upset them. But regardless if they're friends and family, this is a major thing. 
it, that trickles down into all areas, but we're talking about prices today. People are afraid to charge more because people are going to be upset or say it's not worth that. How dare you? Now I'm going to go a step further and just talk about the fact that we are in a, a female dominant industry. And this is a thing that I feel like is a very female issue. In fact, there is an Instagram account that I like. Uh, you may not, but I think it's hilarious in kind of a sad way. It's called The Man Who Has It All. And it's a satire, it's a satire account. And it is, it has to be written by a female, but it's pretending to be a man. And this person just switches the roles. So they, for example, whatever they say is, it's coming from a man's voice, but they switch what would normally be a female man. So for example, the man who has it all wrote just a few days ago, I'm a married dad of three. I'm writing a list of all the people I need to buy and wrap Christmas presents for. So far I have my wife, the kids, my parents, her parents, and the kids' teachers. Anyone else? So you see what they did there? They kind of take things that are traditionally for a female and put it in a man's mouth, like coming out of a man, from a man's perspective. And it's hilarious because as you read it, you just realize how stupid some of these cultural things are that run really deep, that we put this standard or whatever on a female and so that's why I say it's funny, but also a little bit sad because, I mean, if we're just going to talk about gifts, why is that? It falls, it, it, it's the female's role to make people comfortable. We have this cultural thing where like, if you have guests over, the female prepares the house. She makes sure everyone's comfortable. And the man just kind of sits back there. The female's in the kitchen. They tidy up, they prepare the food. Now you might be like, well, my husband doesn't. I'm talking about, or my partner, whatever, society at large right? Just general trends. The, the woman gets the kids ready. They, I mean, it, we as females are generally in charge of making people comfortable, which goes back to this blog of like, well, I'll gain a little bit of weight so that my friends don't feel like uncomfortable that I'm too skinny and that they'll feel large or fat, or I will let my house get messy. So my friends feel comfortable that we will sacrifice ourselves to make people, other people feel comfortable. And then my friend, oh no, don't buy those nice things, even though you can, because you're going to lose your friends. Like what? That is so messed up. And then in our industry, we're talking about what a $12 pattern. I'm afraid to charge another dollar because it's going to make people upset. This is ridiculous. Like for those of us who have written patterns, we know the work that goes into it. Let, I love to imagine just what if, I can't even wrap my head around it, what if patterns were sold for $50 a pattern? I, I just feel like that would change things greatly. First of all, people would buy less, probably, maybe not, but then all of a sudden comes a natural selection of being pickier about what they buy, which means all of a sudden the quality is going to go up because people are like, oh man, I've got to make mine really good so that they choose mine. And people would, I, I don't know. I mean, just what, what would that look like if patterns were $50 a pattern? You know, I just, I'd love to think about that. And so then we as females, here we are like, oh, I'm afraid to charge more because somebody might be upset. What if we 
didn't care. It's such a deep issue. I get it. Like we are trained to care and to want to make other people happy. But one of uh, a therapist that I like, Dr. Julie, she says, Oh, there's my dog at my door. I don't know if you can hear that. Part of growing up is realizing we are going to disappoint our parents. What if we replace parents and just save people? Part of growing up is realizing that we are going to disappoint people. That's very uncomfortable because, again, we've been trained to make other people feel comfortable. But this is a business. What if you were to replace uh, what we do with a man? Would you feel like... I mean, it's very interesting because even me, I feel like I have some awareness of this, but I have hired men to be guests in our membership. And when they present their prices, first of all, they're generally higher. And I only have like examples with one person. Okay. But, um, the prices are generally higher and I don't blink an eye. I'm like, oh yeah, well, that's their main source of income. And it's just whatever. I'm like, wow, wow. What if we replace who we were with a man? Like all of a sudden it's not so weird to raise your prices or to just be like, this is what it is. Like, take it or leave it. Um, if there's a man CEO, they can walk into a room and just be confident. And if a female does it, it's like, oh, they're a little bit, you know? So what if we just need to accept that we have a great product, which also is uncomfortable for a lot of females to like, question oh but is it is it good i i don't know so let's realize that culturally there has been this thing where women are we serve we do things for free we volunteer our job is to you know make quilts for fun um we don't we don't need to accept that if this is our business you know and maybe that's another part of it too it's like well, some people are doing this for free. That doesn't mean you have to. If somebody wants your particular item, they have to pay for it. Now, that doesn't mean that some people aren't going to offer it for free, but you can't worry about what other people are going to do, and you cannot change what they're going to do. I can't go out there and be like, take that down. You're offering it for free. You can't do that. They can. They can do what they want, but I can also do what I want. And if people want me and they want my thing, then it's on me to one, make it desirable and make that something that people want and to make it good so that people are like, it's actually worth paying that. But also I get to charge what I want. So let's stop worrying about other people and what they're doing and trying to change what they do because we cannot do that and it will be exhausting. It'll leave you angry and upset and not a great place to go. But let's focus on ourselves and what we do and what we offer and think about for a minute you know this uncomfortableness because i have i have had people reach out and tell me that i charge too much um so let's realize that that let's have some empathy for the person who is saying that because they are deeply rooted in this culture that we as females especially as quilters that our, what we do should be cheap, shouldn't cost a lot, that it should be free. Um, they're also deeply rooted in this idea that women are here to take kind of a backseat, that we're here to make other people feel comfortable, that I'm here to, oh, that's a lot. Oh, I'm so sorry here. Okay, all right, I'll give it to you for cheaper. 
and that we volunteer, that we're just the sweet, appeasing females, and that that's not, like, we can't, we can't get so upset at a person because it's so deeply rooted in our culture to just have some empathy. And for a minute, just step back and say, if this were a man, would they be doing that? I really don't think they would. I mean, I can't say for sure, but that would be my guess. And realize that it's not about you. If someone comes to you and says, your price is too much, that is their problem. It's not your problem. You can help make a change by realizing your value, even if it's uncomfortable, charge more. And I remember back, oh, I, I need to raise my prices. In fact, we're going out of town and I'm like, can I do that before I go? I will say one of the things that is holding me back personally is that I do sell with wholesale distributors and I actually do not know I guess I would just email them and say, FYI, I've raised my prices. Now I charge this. I, I don't know the protocol for that. Um, but I guess that's what I'll, I'll just do. So, um, yeah, I, I want to start to be the change and I empower you to do the same. And yes, it's uncomfortable, but lean into it. Back in the day when I first raised my prices, I want to say from 10 to $12 for a pattern, which keep in mind, this is $2, $2. I was terrified and the first pattern I released I for like five minutes it was crickets I'm like it's because I raised the price I know it and then boom someone bought the pattern I was like oh and now I can't even remember what that price I mean, it, it's a nothing it is nothing and so I do plan to raise my prices and I'll probably just do I was like is it 14 or 15 I'm just gonna go to 15 my gosh it's a dollar I want to be a platform for change I do think that the work that we put into it is worth that. I mean, let's just think about for a minute one. Well, I have fabric now as a fabric designer, but let's just, when I started, if you don't get fabric for free from a company and you're paying for your fabric, you're paying for the fabric, you're paying for the batting, you're paying for the thread. You have a sewing machine, which is a one-time cost, but still not cheap. You have the photography, you have your time, please let's value our time because I have also paid someone to make a cover quilt for me. And that's, you know, it's not cheap. We're talking like $400, $500. So we're, you know, we need to pay ourselves. We need to value what we are putting out there. And if you're just starting out and you feel like, well, maybe I, um, my patterns, you know, I don't have the, <clears throat> the time, the experience. Sure. Maybe at first you offer less, but that's part of, I mean, same with, I'm trying to compare it to another industry, a brand that's more well-known and recognized is going to charge more, but by all means, if you're at the beginning, please don't feel like you need to charge less. Please don't take it that way. You can charge what you feel like it's worth. And even if you feel like, well, it's, it's worth nothing, it isn't. It's worth something. You are putting your time and effort and, oh, I forgot about the cost of a tech editor. Please do hire a tech editor because we need some quality control, you know, to have, make sure that we have a professional pair of eyes looking over your work before you put it out there. So yes, let's just charge what we're worth. In fact, this is motivation for me to go and raise my prices before I go out of town. So by the time this podcast comes out, you can go check out my website and see that the prices for my patterns are now $15 per pattern. And if people want my patterns, it's a couple more dollars. Like if you can go to buy a cup of coffee for however much, I don't even know what that would be, um, six, $6. 
you can pay $15 for a pattern that you really love to make a quilt that you're going to have forever, you know, um, and the amount of work and everything that goes into it. So we, we ladies, we can charge, and I say ladies, I know there are some men in my audience, so please don't feel like I don't see you or that this isn't applicable to you. However, this is an industry that is female dominant, and that has definitely affected the industry and how things run and how we view prices and work and all of that. Um, so, so yeah, that's definitely a thread that I saw going through the comments that came in. Um, and one that I'm seeing right here is charging premium prices for all patterns, whether they are easy or complicated. Quilters won't buy it. Okay, this is a little bit of a pivot, but actually I want to touch on that because I have heard other females in the industry who are quilt pattern designers who actually point fingers and say that people are, what's the word that they used? Um, gate, like they're at the gate allowing people in or out. I can't think of the word right now, but um, that we shouldn't be able to sell patterns that are super simple and easy, which really irked me. And I don't like to show up in like an upset way. Um, but it was also people who were saying like, taking a jab at the quilt pattern writing course. So that's probably, if we're doing some mind work, that's probably where it came from. It's like, wait a minute, how come you're hating on me offering this course on how to write and sell quilt patterns? Um, but then also to make a jab and say that we cannot sell quilt patterns if they're very simple. Um, and that we have to have, you know, patterns that are written and sold that are, I don't even know what what would be their standard. Like it has to be this difficult or, I, but, but the reason this is very interesting to me is because my best selling pattern to date is my better together quilt pattern. That is simply half square triangles. Anyone who's been around the block long enough could look at that and not need to buy the pattern. Like it is half square triangles that are mostly all the same size and there's a few thrown in there that are bigger. That's it. My best selling pattern to date over $10,000 last year alone in that one pattern. That's crazy. Like, and what if I hadn't written that pattern and sold it because it's too easy. People don't need the pattern for that. They could just look at it and figure it out. Some people do, but more people buy that pattern. There is an audience. I know people who are not quilters and they're like, I, I have heard more people come to me and say, I need a beginner friendly pattern. I need a simple pattern. Where can I find one? And so don't undermine because we're surrounded by people who have been quilting a long time and they think that patterns need to look like X, Y, Z. No one gets to tell you what you can sell and what that needs to look like you get to do whatever you want. It is your business. And there are people who will buy what you put out there. In fact, I remember going to quilt market and seeing a fabric designer I loved at my very first quilt market. And they had designed a little pouch that they had at their booth with their fabric. And I said, Oh, do you have a pattern for that? She was like, No, no, it's too easy. And I was very disappointed. I was like, too easy for you. I don't know how to even begin to do that. Like, please just make a pattern. Like I'm telling you, I want the pattern. There is a market for what you want to write and sell. Do not, I know because that chatter that I heard about like patterns can't be easy. 
you can't sell something if it's too easy. That has stuck in my head for maybe two years. I heard that two years ago. And I still feel like, I don't know, maybe a chip on my shoulder? Is that what it is? Or just kind of irked? Because I'm human, right? I want to move past that and not care. But And part of me wants to go to that person and be like, here's the numbers. Boom. Like, don't tell people that. You're misleading them. But anyone, anyone, including myself here, but anyone who says, this is what you do, this is what you don't do, you get to decide your business. It's your business. And if you're feeling like, if you hear someone say something, you get to decide if you are going to listen to that or not. You know, do you, do you like what they say? Do you, if you find yourself like, oh man, I don't know if I agree with that. You don't have to buy into it. Like you, even what I'm offering here, you don't have to buy into what I'm saying. Uh, but what I am saying, I do have the numbers that there is proof that you can sell a very basic pattern that an experienced quilter could look at and figure out and not buy the pattern but it doesn't mean that somebody's not going to buy it and maybe even a lot of somebody's. So don't worry about charging premium prices for something. Oh, and by the way, better together, I haven't even put it in paper format yet. This is simply PDF that is on my to-do list. It's been on my to-do list for years. So 2023 is the year folks. I'm going to get it in paper format. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just embrace that what we create is of value that you can trust that what you are offering is good and and not just saying that naively as in like oh you know a kindergartner makes a drawing and that's a masterpiece i'm not saying that all things are created equal i do there is a responsibility for us to learn how to improve always be learning always learn how to do things better how to write a better pattern Make sure you have a tech editor. Make sure that what you're doing is of good quality. But then, try, you know, and when I say that, I'm worried that a lot of you listeners are going to be like, oh no, then, then I know it's not good quality. Also remember how you've got to just move forward. This fear, this paralyzing thing of like, well, it's not good enough. I, well, it's not good quality. I, then I just won't put it out there. Don't, don't fall into that trap either because that's also a mindset thing that I see woven throughout these comments is I'm not good enough. And I don't want you to listen to this episode and be like, Oh, sure enough. I know my quality is not good enough. So I just better not do it. It's better to put out crap and get feedback and move forward. It's better to have momentum, like just put something out there because you've got to start somewhere and it can only go up, right? Like you have to put something out there. And I have seen, that's another thing too, <clears throat> um, with hiring a tech editor, if you are new, find a tech editor who is empathetic and, and nice to the people who are just starting out as pattern writers. Um, because we all start out somewhere and our quality goes up and up, but we, we have to start. You just have to start and put something out there. If I had never put something out because I was terrified that it's not good enough, and sometimes it wasn't great, and, and it's very comforting to hear people who are uber successful, top of the industry, say that every year they put out products and sometimes they flop. And that doesn't mean they give up. That doesn't mean that they're like, I'm a failure. No, no, no. That means they learn from that and then they get better and they tweak and they change and they continue. Some things work and some things don't. 
and every year they put things out and things continue to flop, but things continue to succeed. And so we don't stop. We don't not do something because we're terrified that it's going to not be good. We move forward. We embrace the discomfort of people not liking our thing of saying, you shouldn't, you can't do that. You can't charge for this. You can't sell a pattern like that. It's too easy. People can figure it out. None of that. We, we own our business. We own what we love. We do the best that we can. We put it out there and we learn and we move forward. So ladies and gentlemen who are out there, let's be the change in this industry. Let's charge what we're worth. Let's just embrace that there is a culture out there that says, oh, this is just such a sweet industry. It's a craft industry. I get it. I mean, I have so many friends that have no idea exactly what I do or how much I earn. And I'm not about to go and be like, oh, this is what I earn. You know, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that as soon as people, <laughs> I went to the hair, my hair lady the other day and my hair person, I love her. She was like, she brags on me, you know, so there was someone else, there were two of us getting her hair done and my hair, Ruby is her name. She's like, Elizabeth is such a big deal. She's Instagram famous. I'm like, well, that's generous of you. And she was like the other lady in the getting her hair done. It's like, Oh, what do you do? And I was like, I'm a quilter. And I saw her face like what? And she looked at Ruby, the hairstylist, like, huh? I was like, I know, I know it's not like sexy or whatever, but, um, and I hate that I diminished right there what I did, but my hairstylist is like, no, I mean, she's killing it. She's amazing. She's like a girl boss, which girl boss, I, don't get me started on that phrase. Would we ever say he's a man boss? No, <laughs> just a boss, a boss. Um, but anyhow, I get it. And, and friends, close friends of mine, they're like, oh, you quilt. I was speaking at uh, quilt market at schoolhouse presenting my book and my friend, I didn't make it to my son's basketball games. And my friend Brad was telling me, she's like, Oh yeah, Mark went out to go play paintball on two as if it was apples to apples. And I just, it's very interesting. So even myself, I, and it's very interesting. I, now this is just me sharing my thoughts. I don't know quite how to, to share that with people in my circle. And I don't want to, isn't this interesting? This is very interesting. I can hear myself saying now the things that I'm talking about, but I find it uncomfortable to like, I feel like I'm bragging about myself or like, I don't know. It's very interesting. So no, a lot of people in my circle also, when they hear quilting, they're like, Oh, and I don't know if any of you were around maybe about a year ago, there was this guy going through our neighborhood who knocked on the door and I opened the door and he's like, Hey, I have a Twitter, no, not Twitter, TikTok account where I go and ask people, uh, whose houses I think are beautiful, what they do for a living. So I'd love to, to do that with you. What do you do for a living? And I was like, I'm a quilter. And he was like, what? And I was like, Oh, and my husband, he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear I, you. This is cool. I don't normally have quilters. So, um, we like planned it out and he was like, I'm going to come and knock on the door and you'll pretend to be surprised and I'll ask what you do. And so then he posted it. It went both on Instagram and on his TikTok account. The comments were fascinating. People were like, there is no way she earns that kind of money as a quilter. She must be selling drugs on the side. Um, I mean, it was actually very, 
I won't say hurtful, but more just like, wow. I have a friend who is successful in the quilting industry as well. And she DM'd me and was like, oh, those quilting muggles, which if you're a Harry Potter fan, you'll get that. But um, no, there is actually quite a bit of money to be had in the quilting industry. And so when people are like, oh, quilting, what? can I buy a quilt from you? Will you make a quilt for me? I'm like, that's not, I don't even really make my own quilts anymore. Like I, that's not what I do, you know? Um, so let's embrace the fact that people don't understand this industry, that it's viewed it as the cute female, you know, but, but we can be the change. We can charge what we're worth. It's going to be a slow moving thing, but there's ways to earn money in this industry. We can charge premium prices. We can put our work out there and it can get better and better. Myself included. I can start to embrace and not tell people, I know it's not sexy. Like what? Come on. We can do better. We can do better. So, all right. I'm going to have my prices raised by the time this comes out. And I will send an email to my wholesale distributors, letting them know. And that's the change I'm going to make. I also do have a media kit, which I'm excited to share with you all. That'll be coming up in 2023. So when people want to work with me, I now have a media kit with statistics and I'll put that out in a future, a link to that in a future podcast. So you all can see, oh, that's Coco barking in the background. So you can see how we can value ourselves and what kinds of, you know, things we can do to, to help elevate the industry. And with, by the way, side note, I just want to say there also can be value in doing things for free. I'm not saying we always have to charge for everything we do. I would be lying if I said I never did anything for free. And if I didn't say that sometimes doing those things for free really helped elevate, elevate my position and my following and my credibility. So depending where you are in your business, it's up to us as business owners to evaluate things that were offered and to evaluate. And sometimes we might evaluate wrong, but we don't need to listen to what, you know, so-and-so says I need to charge this or that. Try and lean into your gut. Listen to, will, will this exposure be good for me in my business? Is it worth doing it for free? Sometimes it is. So we don't have to charge for everything at a certain point in your career. Yes, you can, but just know that sometimes there is value in doing things without getting paid. And I have benefited from that greatly. Part of that has gotten me where I am. And so, um, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but also don't be afraid to charge. So that sounds like such an oxymoron and I get it, but it's not simple and cut and clear, you know? So, Okay, how do I even wrap that up now that I've like <laughs> kept these contradicting things? Point is, ladies and gentlemen who are out there, we can charge in this industry for our products. We can charge premium prices. We can realize that there are some deeply rooted thoughts about females and quilting and crafting. And let's just recognize that and know that that's a thought out there, but it doesn't have to move our hand. We can charge what we're worth for our products and for our time. And that is what my very first Limiting Mindset podcast episode is about. I have a lot more. If you have limiting mindsets that you struggle with or want me to talk about, send me a DM or find that reel that I posted the other day and go in and leave a comment there because I will keep going back to look at that for, for ideas and feedback. Um, but yes, thank you for being here. 
Thank you for listening to this unedited raw episode. And I will be back next Friday. Next Friday, I am going to introduce part of my team. There's two parts that I am putting out where I am introducing the Quilters Candy team, the people that I have hired, how I found them, what they do for me. And I'm doing this because, I mean, if you listen to the podcast episode with Stacy of Gingerbread, I don't know, that was maybe a little over a year ago. I was like, how do you have a team? What? How do you hire them? What do they do? I need people. And here I am, fast forward a little over a year, I have a team. And I was very mystified. How do you do that? How do you even find people? And so I want to share that with you, business owners out there who are looking to hire people. How have I brought on each of these people? And who is on my team? What am I having people do for me? So I'm going to share that next week and then part two will come a few weeks later so join in next friday on the crafty career podcast i hope you have a wonderful new year and here's to an amazing 2023 with business growth and success we'll see you next week until then take care